0: Now, on this Invest Talk podcast, Justin Klein listens to your questions.
1: Hello, my name is Paige, calling from California. I've spent some time over the holidays evaluating REITs, real estate investment trusts. And I want to start some positions.
0: And provides unbiased answers.
2: Well, you're looking at three different types of ETFs. They're all relatively low on the expense ratio side. It's hard for me to really compare. I don't think Schwab would be the one, even though that's the lowest expense ratio.
0: Invest Talk, over
2: 37
0: million downloads and
2: counting
0: across America and around the world. Your participation makes it unique. 88899 chart
3: This podcast is produced by KPP Financial, Steve Peasley President, KPP Financial, Independent Thinking, Shared Success. And now today's podcast
2: Good afternoon fellow investors and welcome to Invest Talk. This is our Wednesday, January 5th, 2021 edition of Invest Talk. And we had a very interesting day in the markets, really a an acceleration of the trends that we've seen so far this year. Now we're only 3 trading days into the year. But the question for you is how has your portfolio performed? Have you met your New Year's resolution goals so far? Have you broken them already? Meaning, what was your plan going into the year? Did you have a plan? Did you adjust your portfolio according to the different market regime that we are in? Which I've been saying for months and months and months. Growth is out of phase, out of favor, and I know that's hard to fathom. We've had over a decade where it's been about tech stocks and story stocks and software stocks and uh, about the next best, greatest thing, and those companies had done well. Well, in an environment where the Fed is tightening, monetary stimulus is coming off, multiples contract, and companies that have... Cash flows and dividends and are highly needed in this, in any environment, energy, financials, industrials, commodities, real world assets, not pie in the sky, hopes and dreams of what the future will be. It's about what is today. And when the cost of capital is suddenly something, that's what you see, a rotation. Into real world assets. And so how have you done so far this year? It's okay to be down, but today, small cap growth down five percent on the day. Large cap growth down four and a quarter percent. Large cap value barely down 017 percent on the day. So if kind of the day to day fluctuations don't resonate with you and you don't see the rotation, it can often take a day like today to really hammer home that point because those high multiple growth stocks got hammered and if you were leaning in the right direction, you probably came out pretty decent. And that's my goal here. Each and every day on Invest Talk is to help you lean in the right direction and making good financial decisions based on the economic backdrop that we're in and the goals that you have, the risk tolerance level that you have. And so on today's program, of podcast, I'm going to operate with my mission statement, which is independent thinking and shared success. I'm not Kramer. I'm not going to bang any bells and whistles. I'm not going to talk a book or bring on some guest and talk about how great their company is. I don't need to do that. I'm here to give you unbiased guidance. Bring you along in our success. And so, what I'm talking about a particular stock, a sector, an area of the market, right, a style factor—that's what growth is. It's a style factor. I am here to present it all without bias. Just give you the facts as I see in front of as I see in front of me, right? I have a lot of data. I just told you how growth versus value did today. And I'm going to give you all of that data with context of 20 plus years of investment experience. Meaning, hey. I was around last time value was in favor. I was over 14 years ago. When I started this in this business, growth was peaking out. So I've seen this before. And these things go in cycles. And I study history, not just about the last 20 years, but the last 100 years plus. So I'm Justin Klein. Of course, I encourage you to reach out to me with your finance and investment questions. And when you do that, you get to shape this show. So I encourage you to reach out right now during our live stream program from 4 to 5 Pacific time. But most of you are probably listening after hours, and that's fine too. Leave your message on our Anytime Voice Bank. Either way, the number is always 888 chart So let's get right to our first listener question now.
1: Hey guys, Suzanne from Michigan. I've been meaning to call and ask your thoughts about the S&P index fund and whether it's preferable to buy an equal weighted fund versus the typical market cap weighted. I wonder if, especially now with the tech or growth slowing and with many of us having indexed S&P funds, should we perhaps shift some portion or perhaps add an equal weighted fund to our diversified portfolios? I look forward to hearing your thoughts and analysis on the podcast. As always, thank you and Happy New Year.
2: All right. Looking at our, appreciate the, the Happy New Year, looking at the S&P equal weight ETF. And the answer is yes, you definitely should be looking at the equal weight over the, over, over the, the market cap weight, right? The S&P itself is market cap weighted meaning the larger the company is, the bigger percentage of the portfolio or the, the the index it is. And what that means is there's a lot more room for downside for the large company. So there's less volatility because you're weighted in those larger cap names, but there's also the potential for more downside. And long term, mid cap small caps they tend to do better than large caps over the long term they have more room to grow on the upside and so if you're in a market cap weighted index those smaller cap names which may some of them may grow dramatically over time they can double and triple quadruple quite easy and if you're a market cap you're going to very low, market cap weighted you're gonna have a very low exposure there equal weighted, you're going to have the same weighting for the largest company and the smallest company, SP. S&P. So basically every, you have 500 stocks, every stock in the equal weighted ETF or index is going to be about 0.2%, whether it's large or small. And so in these times, especially, I do think adding an equal weight ETF is much better than a market cap weighted ETF. Great question, and thanks for the call. Now, my focus point today is based on the story behind this question. Did big pension funds dump the wrong things again last year? Hint, yes. We're gonna look at some of the data and what lessons you can take from that. I also wanna go over the expected market uh, dynamics for 2022, what the roadmap might be, for the year. And we're going to uh, dive in a little bit deeper into that. I also want to touch on the shift in Fed governors. And will that turn the Fed more hawkish or dovish in the new year? And then lastly, regulations around cryptocurrency and what questions need to be answered by regulators uh, in this new space, new paradigm. Of what's happening on that side and how much and who in the government is going to regulate the space. Because you could argue it's this government body. You could argue it's another government body. Either way, it's all going to be new and they're still figuring it out. So we're going to unpack that as well. Now let's touch on the market today. You had a rough day. S and P down ninety two points, a little over, uh, right about two percent there, and the NYSE broader index that was down two hundred and twenty four points, down about one and a quarter percent. So much more modest, more broadly, but the selling was focused on the Nasdaq down five hundred and twenty two points. The Qs itself, QQQ, that was down over three percent. And you're getting a little bit of lift after hours, but this was all driven by the Fed minutes that came out today. Uh, and this is supposed to be the minutes, right? What people what, what people within the, the, the Fed meetings were, were saying, what the governors were saying? What was the gist of the conversation? Well, in reality, we know this is more massaged and, and it's a Cliff Notes version and it's how the Fed wants the the markets and the public to perceive their, their tenor of the meeting. And what the market interpreted was that the Fed could potentially raise rates as soon as March, soon as March. Now, what I will say is I think this is a tone that the Fed is likely to have for most of the year, which is more hawkish than dovish. Now, the question is, are they going to get more hawkish throughout the year or less hawkish? And I'm going to definitively say less hawkish. And I think this may be the peak hawkishness that's being priced in the market, uh, at least in the near term. Why do I say that? And that has to do with the economic numbers that have come out, especially the one that came out on Monday, the ISM Manufacturing Index. And there are different components to that. And one of the main ones is prices paid, and which means inflation, inflation dynamics. And we've talked about the supply chain issues, and that has driven prices paid by manufacturers for raw goods and, and, and raw materials. Uh, to record heights, and it actually peaked in June. We had a dip in August and accelerated for a couple months into October, had a small dip in November, and then finally, for December, it decelerated dramatically. The peak was in June at 92.1. In November, it decelerated to 82.4, still very high. But in December, it decelerated to 68.2. 68.2. That's the lowest level since November of last year. Sorry, I guess 20, 2020, remember 2020. So what this is showing is deceleration in inflation expectations. I've said this, 2022 will unlikely be the same type of inflation environment. It's going to decelerate. The question is, how dramatically? Where is the plateau? And I think that's what the the Fed's going to start to see here coming up in the the next few months as they uh, get, have their meetings. They'll see a decelerating inflationary environment. Therefore, I don't think they will be as hawkish. They are moving into a short break, and the new year has begun. And you must have a question or two, so get your questions in now at eight 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 ninety nine chart.
0: Invest Talk is here to help. And when you download the free Invest Talk podcasts, don't forget to rate and review. The phone lines are open, eight 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 ninety nine chart Sean out of San Francisco. Uh, wondering about FSPTX and what you guys think of technology in 2022 in regards to Stick It Out or Mosey elsewhere for uh,
3: investments. Thank you.
2: I think I need to stand on a rooftop and scream it very loud in a, uh, in a megaphone. Technology is not a good place to be in 2022. Growth stocks are not a good place to be in 2022. You've seen this here over the first three days and really since Thanksgiving. It's just starting to accelerate. Doesn't mean there can't be bounces, there, there will be, but this is the start of the move back towards value of growth. Industrials over technology, energy over software, commodities over SaaS companies. No, this is not a good time to own technology and we're in the beginning of this trend the very start of it so be very patient on the space this is invest talk we are ready for your questions give us a call at 888 chart
0: invest talk is always made better when our listeners contribute their questions
2: Now, my focus point today is based on the story behind this headline. Did big pension funds bump the wrong things, or dump the wrong things, excuse me, last year? Now, a year ago, some big, most institutional money managers were avoiding seven big asset classes. And they were, no particular order, cash, bonds, uh, stocks and consumer staple sector, uh, REITs, energy companies, and developed overseas companies. So companies in London and Tokyo, for example. Well, if you equally weight all seven of those across for 2021, the return was 14.7%. Now in there are some pretty conservative investments, cash, bonds, REITs consumer staples and then a couple of more aggressive, right? Foreign stocks, energy companies. Well, energy companies did the best in 2021. And so a 14.7% return is pretty good because that's, and that's more of a, a moderate portfolio. Now, if you take the global benchmark and do a 60 40 portfolio, that would earn about 10.1%. So what it shows you is that the most hated asset classes, even amongst the professionals, oftentimes are the best place to be in a particular year. What was most interesting is their favorite area in the market for 2021, their best bet was emerging markets. Well, emerging markets didn't do so hot. Well. They were down four percent for the year, while most other asset classes were up. One big reason for that was the strong dollar, which most people didn't expect. If you went into 2021 and you said, "Well, we have the Fed printing 120 billion dollars a month, rates at zero, government spending a bunch of money, the dollar's going to get killed." That's what the consensus was. Well, what did the dollar do for the year? Against a broad basket was up about 5%. Why? Because it wasn't about what the policy was at the beginning of the year, or even for most of the year. It was, how was policy in the future trending? And throughout the year, the odds of the Fed tightening grew and grew and grew. And you saw that by the end of the year, the Fed has started to taper and now is on a tightening cycle. And so the dollar went along with that trend. And so that's why emerging markets didn't do so hot. And a lot of people would look at it and say, well, Emerging markets are cheap. And I think over the long term, maybe emerging markets are a good place to be. But if short-term rates are going up, cost of capital is going up, dollars getting stronger, that's an environment that is bad for emerging markets. And so this is just one example of how they usually get it wrong. Even the professionals, they use the wrong things to 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 bet on an asset class, and the big pension funds—they're usually the worst. So don't just trust the professionals on what their overweight is or what their underweight is. Understand their reasoning. Not, and it shouldn't be just because it's cheap. It's because of what the economic expectations are for the year, because that's what's going to drive the performance of different asset classes in different sectors for the year, is how the economy evolves, not based on what's cheap, okay? Now, let's keep things moving. Here comes another caller question from our 24-hour voice bank at 888 chart
4: Hello, would like to get your opinion on Service Corporation International. The ticker symbol is SCI. Just want to know what a good valuation for this stock would be. Thank you.
2: All right, this is Service Corp International, and this is one of the largest funeral, cremation, and cemetery service companies in the world, or in the United States. 1,470 funeral sites and 483 cemeteries. They operate, $11 billion market cap. And this is a name we own for clients. Now I will say, in the new year, we, I think it was yesterday actually, we trimmed our position. I did really well on it. Uh, bought it in, I think it was the the low 50s. Trimmed it around 70 uh, yesterday, and because it's it's getting near our value, around 70, 75 dollars. And technically, we saw a little weakness, and 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 just overall, we're we're trying to trim our positions uh, right now as opposed to up them. Um, and so, we like the name. Good, consistent, strong. Uh, profitability, cash flow, the type of name that you'd want to own. What well, worries of us in, in the in the more near term is they've had tailwinds from the pandemic. More and more people passing away, unfortunately, more and more people thinking about their demise and, and buying uh, th- their plot of land or their cremation spot or whatever. Uh, and so their, their business has done very well. But that's going to trend back here in 2022. Still a great company. I'd be looking for an entry point back in the low 60s. I'm Justin Klein. I'm ready to take your questions live at 888 chart Let's say you've been thinking about learning a new language. Okay. Why? I mean, how would it come in handy? And where would you want to use it? Could it be that you have an upcoming international trip? Or maybe you want to connect with family members or friends from a different culture. I think you should know about Rosetta Stone. HackerOne.com. Your objective is to work hard, plan
0: well, and achieve financial freedom, right? You're in luck because Justin Klein is here now, ready to take your finance and investment questions. Call 888-99-CHART.
4: Hi, Stephen Justin. This is Kevin from Locker Center California. First off, uh, wishing you a happy and very prosperous coming new year in 2022. I had a question regarding wash sales. I'm wondering if I sell a position, a stock that I hold at a loss to have tax harvested at the end of this year. Is buying a longer-term option, does that trigger a, a wash sale in some way? So say I sold a stock, say DraftKings, at a loss, and I buy a leap on that same stock that I don't plan to sell for more than a month, I guess. Would that trigger a wash sale? The other thing that I'm wondering is if I sold this stock at a loss, can I sell a put option that's more than a month out, and if that gets in the money and I end up buying the stock back over a month from when I sold, would that trigger trigger a wash sale. Look forward to hearing your answer, I appreciate it, thank you.
2: You're throwing uh, a different, um, you you guys are throwing different uh, complex things at me uh, when it comes to wash sale rule. I've never, we've never uh, done the option side. Uh, I did make a mistake. Last year's thing, oh, you could buy it in, in an IRA um, if you sold it in a taxable account. Uh, and the answer for that was no, you actually couldn't do that. Uh, I'm not sure. Um, uh, This is more of a CPA question. What I would do, the simplest thing is buy a similar stock. Buy a company within that industry. If you're looking to still have exposure, is you sell AT&T, you go buy Verizon. You sell Exxon, you go buy Chevron. It's not really that complicated. So I would keep it simple. If you're trying to avoid the wash rule, don't touch that position for 31 days. Call option in another account. Just don't even think about it. Put a block on that account on that particular position and just buy a similar type of company. If you are trying to gain exposure, remember 80 to 90% of the move in a particular stock, especially mid to large cap stocks has to do with the move within the particular sector, whether the sector is going up or not. And so if you just buy a very similar type of company over the next 30 days, you're gonna have very similar performance. Now over long periods of time, obviously that's gonna diverge. But just simply focus on other types of companies within that industry, and I think you'll do uh, much, much better. Okay, I hope that helped, and uh, I know I know th- these tax questions. I hate them because I know the rules always change. Uh, the IRS is always updating their guidance on on what um, qual- qualifies as this and what qualifies as that, because everyone's trying to find their little. Uh, They're a little way around it, their loophole. The simplest loophole is another similar company. After 31 days, you can sell it and get back into the one that you owned before. Thanks for the call. Now let's touch on 2022, the roadmap for 2022. And the first thing you have to know is that you're going to have slowing economic conditions and slowing inflation conditions. Now the economy is still likely to do fairly well, probably between three and a half and four percent growth for this year, which is a deceleration from last year, which is north of five percent, but it's still higher than recent averages. You know, pre-pandemic we were growing two percent, was kind of trend rate of growth, not that high. And inflation is already moderating, like I've said, and we're likely to have inflation. This year, somewhere between three and 4%. So base case about three and a half, still higher than average inflation that we've seen over the past couple of decades, but not your inflation levels that are so egregious. So worrying that most people are freaking out about it. We just had an inflation webinar in November and we had a poll. Is inflation in 2020, 2022 going to be higher or lower than this year? And ninety percent of people said higher. In a year, coming from a year that we have, of inflation numbers we haven't seen in decades, and people were still expect, expecting a a an acceleration in twenty twenty two, and that just goes to show you how easily people fall prey to. Recency bias. Oh, they think, what's happening now? What's happened over the past three months, six months, 12 months? They extrapolate that out going forward. When in reality, that's unlikely to be the case. So you have to understand the dynamics for the future, six, nine, 12 months, because that's what the market's going to react to. Now, what about the market as a whole? I would say it's broadly overvalued modestly, but very different between sectors. still a lot of value in the value sectors, even though, like I said, this has already started to outperform, but we're in the very early innings. We're probably in the top of the second inning on this. So high quality companies over low quality companies, meaning wide moat stocks. I mean, companies that uh, have pricing power, and in an inflationary environment, which I still think three and a half, four 4% inflation is an inflationary environment. And it's not six, but it's still above average in that environment, strong companies, with strong balance sheets and pricing power. Those are going to do well, be able to maintain their, their, their profit margins as their input costs continue to kind of go up energy industrials, telecom stocks, those still remain. Relatively undervalued tech stocks, they'd still remain relatively overvalued and in an environment where fed is tightening, economic growth is slowing, inflation is slowing. You're going to need to sharpen your tools and shift your understanding of where the market is headed and what sectors. Are likely to outperform. So I'm actually going to say small caps are going to do better this year than large caps. Why? Because the large caps are heavily weighted towards those high multiple growth tech companies. This is Invest Talk. Let's squeeze in another Invest Talk voice make now from eight 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 ninety nine chart.
1: Hello, my name is Paige, calling from California. I've spent some time over the holidays evaluating REITs, real estate investment trusts, and I want to start some positions. Since I don't know much about it yet, I wanted to start with some ETFs, so I was wondering first if you would recommend a good starter ETF for a REIT. The one that comes up the most often is VNQ, Vanguard Real Estate Index Fund, but there's a couple others I wanted you to compare that to. One is REET, iShares Global REIT ETF, or S. CHH Schwab US REIT. All of them have low expense ratios and are broad based. If you don't mind, I'd also love to have you comment on if you were just going to pick a couple sectors for REITs, which maybe three sectors would you prioritize right now? I'm assuming healthcare would be one of those. Thanks a lot. Appreciate it. Love your show. Bye.
2: Well, you're looking at three different types of ETFs. They're all relatively low on the expense ratio side. It's hard for me to really compare. I don't think Schwab would be the one, even though that's the lowest expense ratio. Uh, It it has the lowest yield. Uh, Vanguard I know is uh, pretty consistent and would probably be my, would be the one that I'd have the top of my list. Uh, if you look at the portfolio as a whole, um, it looks to be a little bit un- more undervalued. Um, this is a tough one for me to to really compare on the fly. But yeah, I'm going to go with that one or R-E-E-T. Now, which subsectors? Because this is this is important which subsectors would you want to have exposure to in the REIT space? And and, and there's a lot of different subsectors uh, and there's subsectors within subsectors. For example, healthcare. Well, senior housing would be kind of lumped under the healthcare side, but I don't love the senior housing because there's a lot of oversupply there. And then you just have the overhead costs of, of COVID and, and all that that's hurting profitability on that end. And there's, Our seniors, our our baby boomers, a lot of them don't have the money uh, for those. So I wouldn't be in that side. But life science, REITs, where they own uh, facilities for research and development and pharmaceutical companies, I think that's solid. Uh, Industrials, I think that's going to be uh, very strong as we onshore more manufacturing. I like an industrial side. And I really like the data center reads because we've, I think I saw a stat, we've produced more data since 2016 than all of the years before 2016 combined. And so the amount of data that's being created and the amount of space we need for these, uh, these service, service centers, uh, server centers continues to grow. And so we like the data center REITs as well. So I hope that gave you a sense, uh, but if I would pick two of those three, it'd be VNQ or R-E-E-T. Now, it is a new year, and to all of you, happy new year. And if you are looking at the market today, you're looking at your portfolio over the past few days and thinking, gosh, what's wrong? Well, I encourage you to reach out to myself or Steve Peasley at our company, KP Financial. Located in Irvine, California, where we practice parallel investing and we provide unbiased guidance both on and off air. So, if you need help, you need another assessment of whether you're on the right track for your goals, your risk tolerance levels, the current market conditions, please take advantage of our free portfolio review assessment offer via telephone or go to meeting. Just reach out to us via investtalk.com. Or call our kpp financial offices at 800-557-5461 we'd love to help you in any way now this is invest talk steven i thank you for downloading our podcast and telling your friends about it as well and we'll play another question next so hang on each day invest talk listeners submit their
0: finance and investment questions via phone or email and steve and justin thank you for your loyalty would you like your question to be put near the top of the list just take a minute or two to leave a review and rating for invest talk at itunes and be sure to include a brief question with your itunes review comments your rating is a vote of confidence that leads to higher visibility and causes more people to discover and listen to invest talk so please tell your friends and family members about the free invest talk downloads at iTunes, Spotify, Google Play and investtalk.com. Remember to include your brief question when you review and rate on iTunes. And of course your calls are always welcome 24/7. Don't forget to call InvestTalk 888-99-chart.
1: Hi Stephen Justin, I'm calling about Codell Corporation, Q D E L. I currently hold some shares and was wondering if it would be a good time to add more. It seems like it's going on a downtrend. And is that having to do with the pending lawsuit, or what is causing the downslide? So I want to get your opinion I'm listening to the podcast for the answer. Thank you.
2: Are looking at QDEL Corp, and this is a company that has benefited dramatically from the pandemic. What they make is rapid testing kits. I know I used one when uh, I was positive, and I used a, I think I used the QDEL uh, test. And this was a business that didn't do so hot pre pandemic. They were making about $3 per share, but 2020, they made almost $20 a share, then $15 a share expected for the full year, 2021, and only $7 a share next year. And this is in a downtrend because those expectations continue to come down. Not only are they getting more competition, but you have to ask yourself, are we closer to the beginning or the end of the pandemic? Is Omicron the end of the pandemic? Because it's not really causing very many hospitalizations and deaths. I mean, I I had Omicron. It felt like a bad cold with a headache or the flu with a headache. Wasn't fun for two or three days, but it probably wasn't the sickest I've ever been you know, from, a some sort of, um, some sort of virus, right. I've had bad colds before. Um, and it was pretty much on par. So, you know, I, I think you you have to ask yourself, are we going to continue with all of this testing and the, the pandemic is going to continue on for another multi number of years? Because that's what's going to take for QDEL to be worth this. What if they trend back to three dollars in earnings? They call it five dollars earnings. It's still trading at high multiple of one hundred twenty-six dollars per share, and that would be about a twenty-five multiple on a company that's shrinking. Not something I would want to be in, and that's why it's trending negative. And even though there's a lot of, there's a shortage of this continues to be in a downtrend. So you have to ask yourself why? Well, it's probably because we are near the end of the pandemic. And that's what the market is telling you here. This is Invest Talk. I'm Justin Klein. We have one goal here is to help you achieve your own version of financial freedom. And our work continues after this final break. So get your questions in now at 888-99-CHART. The stock market is volatile.
0: It's constantly changing. So how are you positioned? Is your portfolio properly balanced? Or are you taking unnecessary risks? You can get guidance anytime for free if you go to investtalk.com and take the brief risk Riskalyze quiz.
3: Hey, guys. Cannon calling from Atlanta, Georgia. Would love your opinion
1: on ticker symbol E-L-Y. Callaway, they have invested in
2: Topgolf. They've actually purchased them outright, so they won't own 100% of Topgolf. I think that would be a, a great moat for them, and they're still really growing. There's three around the Atlanta area that have popped up over the past five years. If you go on their website, they have six currently under construction for like 70 total locations. I kind of value Topgolf at
3: like $1.5 billion a year revenue, and Callaway is only at 5 billion market cap at the moment. Could this be a good long-term, maybe 5, 10 year old? Love to hear what you think. Bye.
2: Well, this is Callaway Golf and you're right. They did buy Top Golf, and they're repurchasing about $50 million worth of their common stock. They announced that last month. That's about 1% of their market cap. So nothing dramatic there. Decent amount of debt in their balance sheet. Problem here is the trend on uh, this, the the shares continue to go lower, peaked in June of last of last year. It's hard to continue to, to start to say last year is 2021. But yeah, last year in uh, May, late May, early June, it peaked and it's been in a downtrend ever since, lower highs and lower lows. And I think the main issue here is golf is becoming simply less and less popular uh, in, in the United States and and globally. And it definitely was popular during the pandemic because it was one of the few activities that you could do safely social distancing, away from your friends, uh, but still with your friends, and outdoors where uh, the virus doesn't, doesn't transmit as well. So uh, their earnings in 2020 are $6.78, but we've trended back lower. 2021 expect to be $1.70, and next year only 68 cents. That's the lowest level of earnings since 2017, and I think that's the issue. How much do you value Top Golf? I don't. I have to look. Uh, I think at a longer term understanding of how profitable Top Golf is. Just because it has revenue, is it profitable? How much growth is there on that side? Um, so I I would be impatient on this. That it's not going anywhere, and in fact, it's only going down. Earnings expectations of 68 cents next year. What is that worth? Is that worth 20 times earnings at 20 times? You're talking about a $14 stock. It's a 27. So I wouldn't touch this probably until the teens bare minimum. And I would need a couple of quarters to really understand what top top golf is, uh, as a public company, part of a public company, how much does that contribute to their profits? their revenue growth their their margins and what type of what type of business do they have with that post pandemic because that was another thing where top golf it's kind of outdoors semi outdoors and you could do that more social distancing with less risk is that going to be as in demand as the pandemic kind of kind of fades into the background and and covid becomes more endemic So interesting one to be on my watch list and and kind of follow, but there's nothing about the valuation or the chart that gets me excited in the near term. So I would definitely be passing on this. Now let's touch a bit on the Fed because that was a big market mover today. And as we enter 2022, you're going to have new voting members. Now this is something that happens every year. There's a rotation of who the voting members are from the Fed. And incrementally, it actually makes the voting members a bit more hawkish. There are four new voting members. And of of the four, the most hawkish would be Kansas City Fed Chief Esther George. And she's descended on more than half of her past FOMC votes. Always favoring tighter monetary policy. Cleveland Fed leader Loretta Mester also tends to be a bit more hawkish and she's going to be part of the board. What's interesting, the Boston Fed is supposed to be on. Well, that's actually vacant currently. So the Philadelphia Fed uh, President Patrick Harker will be voting in place until they fill the seat. And he's more of a moderate. So, the new members are tilt on the hawkish side. So, that's interesting to follow as we enter the new year, meaning that they're going to be a little bit less likely to pivot dovishly. I'm Justin Klein. This completes another Invest Talk program. Steve Peasley and I thank you for listening, and we encourage you to tell your friends and family about our free podcast downloads, which they can find anytime at iTunes, Spotify, or Google Play. Independent thinking, shared success. This is Invest Talk. Good night.